Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 123 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at Chris Busher's second straight win of the NASCAR Cup Series season. As he gets the job done at Michigan, we'll react to it, provide our analysis coming up in just a matter of moments. Also, we will look ahead to this weekend's race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course as we are down to the final stretch before the NASCAR playoffs begin. Later on, we'll have our news and notes segment. You better believe we got some thoughts on Noah Gregson that we'll dive into coming up. Also, we'll have our Ask David segment where we will answer your questions for David and the panel coming up in just a matter of moments. We are joined by David Starr, as always, the one and only, as uh, we begin today's show. David, always a pleasure and time uh, we get the chance to uh, chat, my friend. How was uh, your weekend, man? Well, weekend was good. Just uh, uh, had a great weekend. Watched some racing on television. Uh, was busy. Caught up on some honeydews around my house. And... Uh, Man, it's just kind of a, a little bit slower weekend for me this weekend, but uh, a lot of racing news. Kept being you know, a watch the Xfinity race and just kept up what was going on in the racing world. Uh, but uh, but man, I'm uh, glad to see Dominic's back with us this uh, this this week. Yeah, summer vacation is over. We were all off one by one the last few weeks, but this is the first time in several weeks we're all together and reunited, and it feels so good as Dominic Aragon is back with us this week. Dom. Good to have you back. How was the uh, last week or so, my friend? It was great, man. It's good that the gang's back and together and we're all here. But it was good to have some time off and, and spend that with the family and got to spend some time with Felice and Christopher and went up to northern New Mexico. Had a little bit of a little staycation vacation up there in that part of the state. But nonetheless, good to be back with you guys. And and at the, at the end of the show, we'll announce our next guest for next week. We got a really cool guest next week. So a lot of cool stuff as we wind down the summer and get ready towards the fall. And the, the summer, Jones, is that starting to wind down, Tyler? Is that already over? Summer, Jones, doesn't slow down for anybody. Uh, spent the weekend last week in Branson. I don't know if you guys have been to Branson, but Branson's one of my favorite cities in America. And we tore things up last weekend in Branson uh, with the family. Had a great <laughs> time with my mom and dad and everything. And uh, we're uh, we're coming down to the, the, the home stretch of the Summer, Jones, but certainly enjoying it. Uh, some more exciting stuff ahead before we call it a, uh, a summer officially. David, uh, before we get to the business of the day, a little special shout-out in uh, the Star Crew. You had a couple birthdays uh, here this week, right? Yeah, today uh, my uh, my son, uh, Vance, turned uh, 11 years old. And uh, so, man, he's, he's been a lot of fun. He's a quite – he's a cool little dude. And, uh, you know, it's fun to, to watch your kids grow up and the conversations and just all the sports and just, you know, it's uh, – amazing that he's 11 years old he was just born yesterday you know so uh, that was a lot of fun and then today is also my sister melissa star melissa borve it's her birthday as well so uh lots of birthdays today and uh but man we uh celebrated with my my son we've been celebrating his birthday for the last three or four days but uh went to dinner with him took him to dinner tonight with his older brother and my wife and uh i was just just fun to to you know, know everybody's healthy and happy, and and uh, you know, and and uh, it's fun to enjoy everybody's birthdays together. You know, it's pretty cool. You know, 
Dominic, when we started this show, one thing that I did not know was going to happen uh, when we began was getting to know the the Star family. And uh, as long as we've been doing this show, they've become some of our own family. We've seen Vancey grow up right before our eyes. And, and uh, you know, he's a great kid. He and DJ both. Uh, and uh, just yesterday, you know, we were, we were talking about him being, you know, what was it, eight? or seven years old when we first met Vancey and, and, and then Melissa, like Melissa truly is one of those fun people I know. And I always enjoy <laughs> hanging out with Melissa and going to her house. I've been over there for a couple holidays and everything. Melissa's great. Uh, what a, my favorite star, not named David or Kim, probably is Melissa. <laughs> uh, hope Melissa has a great birthday. But yeah. uh, Dominic, we besides just David here and Kim both, the Star family, just incredible people. Well, they 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 grow on you really quick, and and they're very hospitable people. And as you say, Tyler, I'm not just talking about him because he's right here. We're talking in front of his back, right? <laughs> uh, David and his family, very very nice people, and 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 I always take it as a compliment. I remember a couple of years ago that weekend that we did the live show out of Texas Motor Speedway, and, and we had Vance, DJ, and Kim, and everybody's up there, and Mark Tate's condo, and we had a good time, and and taking DJ and Vance to go go karting, and and just that that family connection that we all have with the stars. I think it goes beyond this show, beyond friendship. They've truly become family. And 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 for somebody to trust you with their kids to go go-kart, not everybody's just going to do that. So I think I took that as a badge of honor and, and getting to see Vance and, <laughs> and DJ grow over these last couple of years. And, and so, Tyler, I got to admit, whip my butt of go-karts a little better. They get a little better every time. I stay stagnant, I think. But, you know, well, <laughs> it, it's always a good time to, to see everybody in the star family. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody here next month. Oh, yeah. Um, It'll be yeah, great. It's going to be fun to get us all back together. We'll do another, uh, you know, live, uh, you know, uh, we'll do a show live, and that's always a lot of fun when we do that. You and you guys will get to meet Christopher. We'll have an audience, you know what I mean? So it'll be kind of oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, we get to meet your son, little Christopher. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's real cool, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Can't wait. Looking forward to that coming up yeah. uh, at uh, Texas Motor Speedway here in about a month or so from now. Now, guys, let's start with Chris Bush. Your back-to-back gets it done at Michigan. And, Dominic, you and I were, were having our, our pre-show call that we do each and every week. <laughs> and the way I described it, and I'll be curious what, what David thinks about this, but I want to start with you on, uh, on this first. The way I look at Chris Busher, I think there's certain guys that are drivers that can put down good laps, right, that can get speed in a race car. But then there's racers, guys that can make moves to get to the front, hold on to the lead to win races. And what I saw out of Chris Buescher in the finish of that race to hold off Martin Truex Jr., to be aggressive in the way he was, the side drafting, uh, he wasn't just a driver. He showed that he is a racer, and he truly earned that win. Of, of the wins that he's had in his career for me, that was the most impressive of what he pulled off on Monday afternoon. Certainly a defining moment to, to race a past NASCAR Cup champion the way he did in Martin Truex Jr. and for Truex to, to lose his air, lose his cool, and then come on back and still be able to hold him off. We're talking Martin Truex Jr., a guy that like a few weeks ago at New Hampshire had never won in New Hampshire, has led a bunch of laps. He's finished second at Michigan four times. You knew he was hungry for that win. Chris Buescher, on the other hand, though, I think – a career-defining moment on that Monday win. His first two wins, Tyler, came in over 100 and some starts. His last two wins, he's earned half of his career victories over the last 10 calendar days. And I think after he won at Richmond, everybody said, all right, 
I guess Chris is a good short track racer. And then he goes to the fastest track on the circuit and wins in Michigan, you know, two-plus-mile track. David, what was your reaction to what Chris Buescher pulled off for the second straight week? Man, I didn't see the race because I had to work Monday, uh, and I dvr I, I thought we DVR'd it, and it didn't work. So I haven't seen the race, but, uh, uh, you know, just uh, momentum, momentum. And, man, I'm telling you, Chris Boucher, he's a great, great race car driver, and that's why Brad Keselowski grabbed him a couple years ago. I mean, he's just very talented. And I said it last on the last podcast, uh, Tyler, that uh, – you know, he is an all-around great race car driver. He's good on short tracks. He's good on super speedways. He's good on intermediates. No matter where you, you where Chris races, uh, he's got a shot at winning. You know what I mean? And and I think the, uh, you know, the organization, RFK, is really, uh, really figuring it out. You know what I mean? I mean, they have made leaps and strides the last couple of years. It's no big secret that they've been struggling first year and a half, but man, it's amazing uh, that they're kind of hitting, you know, they're kind of hitting on all eight cylinders at the right time and just right before the playoffs, you know, and we've seen Chris Buescher have a lot of speed this year uh, for one reason or another circumstances. He was close, but didn't, couldn't get it in victory lane. But once he got there, man, that momentum and that organization, man, they're on fire. And, when I say that they're on fire, you just look at Brad's car. Brad's been really had a lot of speed in his car, too. But, you know, he's had circumstances, different things happen to him. But I think we're not that far away of seeing Brad Keselowski in victory lane either. And I'm just so impressed with, with what Brad's brought to that organization. He stepped in as a team owner, driver team owner, and it was, it was a struggle. It was ugly the first year. But, man, they are uh, – they're, they're getting there, and it's just so impressive to see Chris Boucher. We always knew he was a great race car driver, and like y'all were talking about, you know, it's pretty amazing that he can win one weekend in Richmond, Virginia, back it up with a second win and in and, and, and Michigan. You know I mean? It just shows you how talented he is, and we knew he was talented, or Brad wouldn't have grabbed him to be his teammate, you know? Oh, yeah, and – uh, to keep him around when I'm sure there was a lot of people wondering if Chris Buescher was the dri right driver for that 17 car. But for Brad to put the trust in, in Chris, to keep him around and get the job done, it's certainly paying off. And Dominic, for me, what it kind of reminds me of, you look back at that track house team last year with the way they stepped up their program. And it wasn't just Ross Chastain, but Daniel Suarez was running good everywhere as well. And Ross, with that breakthrough season running up front, getting the two wins, competing for a championship there. I think Chris Buescher, we mentioned the momentum, like David said. He's got the two wins under his belt. He's won at multiple different places. Both teams are running good here. I think we're, we could see a very similar campaign the rest of, of the way from Chris Buescher, where he could be a championship threat, where he could have a year similar to Ross, maybe even better. I completely agree with you. And to add on to your point, too, on Brad Keselowski, when they brought in Chris Buescher and they had their press conference at Bristol last year when he picked up that first win for RFK, the rebranded RFK Racing, in his first year in what? His first win in, what, six, seven years? Keselowski's there in the press conference doing the ownership role for the presser, and, and reporters are asking him questions, and he made a great point. Tyler and David, that he said the big thing they wanted to make sure when he signed on with RFK and he was going to do this deal 
was re-signing Chris Buescher even before Chris won at Bristol and even before this two-race stretch. So that tells you publicly, you know Keselowski has a lot of faith in him, especially if he was making these comments beforehand. And, and to add what you're saying there too, Tyler, it, it does have that track house feel to where there's multiple victories now and back-to-back and back no less. And Chris Buescher is great at the short tracks. Bristol's in the playoffs. You have Martinsville. You have mile-and-a-half tracks, Las Vegas, Homestead, Miami. Phoenix, where Chris Buescher has been decent in the past as well. Who's not to say Chris can make that round of 12, that round of eight, that championship for, well, I think we're talking about Chris Buescher making a deep playoff run, and that is not out of bounds at this time. No, it's it's not out of bounds at all. I think you're going to be very impressed the rest of the way of Chris Buescher being a serious threat and contender. And uh, one more thing on, on Chris Buescher and RFK Racing here, David, we see the the wins that that have stacked up. Brad Kozlowski should be getting his. Um, but the improvement there with RFK Racing, also with Ford as a whole. Ford got off to a slow start to this year, and now we're seeing RFK Racing lead the charge to get Ford back up front and getting these victories. If RFK is doing this, then it's only a matter of time before Stuart Haas starts competing and some of these other Ford teams um, – if if RFK can figure this out, who's historically the last few years been one of the worst Ford teams, if they can get going here, we know Front Row's been running well all year. David's only a matter of time before the rest of the Ford program start to figure this out too. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Ford as a whole, you know, we've seen this over the years. A manufacturer might get a little bit behind on this or that, but man, everybody just goes to work. Uh, you know, you you bring in the the most talented engineers and, and brilliant people as you can find. And, uh, you know, uh, Brad, you know, RFK Racing, man, they got some really, really talented, smart people over there. Yeah. You know, and, and I think Brad has grabbed and put in place the right people. It takes a little bit of time to have it all come together. But, man, they're they're hitting on all eight cylinders. And, and then what Ford, as a manufacturer, the technology engineering that they bring to the table. You know, you think about Ford. They've been around forever. They're winners or champions. Uh, you know, they might have been behind. But, man, I can assure you that they're working hard uh, to get all their teams up near near the front of the pack like they have have been in, in, in years past. And it was just a matter of time. But it's interesting to see uh, RFK racing uh, kind of be the, the the kind of the poster child for Ford this year for me. You know what I mean? I, that's kind of, you know, now, uh, you know, they're just outperforming all the other Ford teams as far as I'm concerned, you know. And uh, be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out and how the playoffs play out. And if Brad is going to be a part of that, uh, a, a part of the playoff system, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, if RFK if has both their cars in that championship uh, in the playoffs, you know, I don't know where Brad is on the points. Uh, I asked the question to you guys, where's he at point wise? And, and I'm not sure, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see him win a race before even the championships uh, start up. So, David, thanks for setting me up to what we were going to go to next. That is okay. the <laughs> NASCAR playoff picture. You asked, we delivered. Let's go ahead okay. and set the scene for you here. Who Here is who is locked in the playoff right now. William Byron with four wins. Truex and Kyle Busch with three. Hamlin, Larson, and Busher with two. 
And then one win for Chastain, Reddick, Blaney, Logano, Bell, and Stenhouse. Um, we have three races to go. There's four spots available at this point. Kevin Harvick is plus 180. Brad Keselowski is plus 168. If there are not two more winners, both guys are pretty well locked in when it comes to points. Bubba, not in bad shape, but obviously you have the the winners that play a factor. Um, he's plus 58 from the cutoff. And now in the playoff picture, for the very first time all season, Ty Gibbs with the final spot at plus three. Now, behind Ty, it's pretty competitive for that spot. Michael McDowell's three points back. Daniel Suarez is five points back. A.J. Allmendinger's 24 points back. And Alex Bowman's 44 points back. Austin Singer, 53 points back. Chase Elliott, 55 points back. Um, So let's start with the the wins, okay? Um, With three races to go, uh, Dominic, I'll start with you here. All eyes, I think, are going to be on a few names to possibly get victories of these next three tracks because we're talking two road courses and a super speedway. So you have to mention A.J. Allmendinger, have to mention Chase Elliott, Austin Sendrick, Michael McDowell, Daniel Suarez, um, Ty Gibbs, Bubba Wallace, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, any of those guys are all capable of winning these next three weeks. Oh, absolutely. That's what makes these next three weeks even more fun and more exciting because they really, truly are wild cards. You have Indianapolis, where we saw A.G. Allendinger win in a part-time ride in 2021 in that colleague all-star car. And then you have the Watkins Glen race. Again, you've seen Allendinger win there too, but that road course is, let's be honest, they're they're kind of that, that wild card. But then the super wild card, Daytona, where every team has that circled. You've had the crappiest of seasons. You can still write your ship and make a playoff run like we saw Austin Dillon do last year, who was outside of the playoff picture and snubbed Martin Truex Jr. for making the playoff. So who's not to say we have three different winners over the next three weeks. It certainly isn't impossible. And point situation, that that points gap for that 16th place, assuming there's no new winners, that is going to be a fun battle to watch over the next three weeks. So, David, uh, of guys that have not won yet with these three races ahead, who's most likely, you think, to get into victory lane and lock up one of those playoff spots? Man, you know, you, 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 you know, AJ Allmendinger, uh, Chase Elliott, you know, these, these guys that are really good on these road courses. And, you know, like, like Dominic was saying, Daytona, man, who knows Daytona? But you look at Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell. Uh, Denny Hamlin's, I mean, there's just, you know, like I said, going to Daytona, you know, anybody could win there. So, you know, it's hard to, you know, you just look at these road courses coming up and man, these road courses, especially Indianapolis, man, it's, uh, there's a lot of drama there, you know, getting into turn one, uh, man, it just, uh, it's going to be so exciting and interesting how it's all going to play out, um, you know, I think we're going to be a lot of people watching and tuning in because, man, it's a, there's a lot at stake. And I didn't realize it until y'all mentioned it, man, those final two spots in the playoffs, I mean, it's tight. I mean, tight, tight, you know. And, and uh, you know, uh, Ty Gibbs, it's only in by three points. And the next person, Michael McDowell's out by five points. I mean, man, that's still open. Even the guys that are only out, you know, 20 and 30 points, I mean, that's tight. 
you know, so uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting if we have a new winner uh, that hasn't won yet this season because uh, that's going to kick somebody out of the playoffs that's thinking that, that they might have a shot at it. I don't I don't know, but, man, it's just uh, hard to really pinpoint how it's going to play out. I do know that it's really, really exciting, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out in front of us. Right, exactly. And how about the rise of Ty Gibbs in the last few weeks? Dominic, the start of the season didn't go so great for Ty Gibbs. But here we are. We've seen him get better and better every single week. We know he's a talented young race car driver, and now we're seeing him come into his own. Oh, absolutely. And if he's able to make the playoffs, I believe, Ty, even without winning a race, if things shape out the way they're supposed to over the next three weeks, naturally with no new winners, he would be the first rookie since Chase Elliott to qualify for the playoffs on a points position alone. Because Austin Sindrick did that last year, being able to qualify in with, with a playoff spot. Cole Custer did that in 2020. But we're looking at this, Tyler, and... I think there's a really good chance Ty Gibbs could point his way into the playoffs. He is quietly finishing top 10, collecting stage points, making that final round and qualifying every week. So setting up his team really well with a good qualifying spot, a good spot on pit road to run the race. Ty Gibbs and this rookie season is, is heating up, Tyler. And you got to think the momentum is naturally occurring here and only adding that 54 team. They miss the playoffs. It's going to be very disappointing, not only for Joe Gibbs racing, but especially for Ty Gibbs and that organization. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and one more point. We mentioned on the Ty Gibbs side of things, the way that he has joined the equation. Michael McDowell outside the playoff picture now by three points. He's run really well all season. We mentioned how strong Ford has been as of late. And with the resources of that team for, uh, you know, what they've been able to do to compete is pretty remarkable. And, David, you look at what's ahead for Michael McDowell, those two road courses and Daytona where he won the 500, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, huge opportunity here for Michael McDowell to still find a way into the playoff here. Man, you know, you know, Michael McDowell, Todd Gibbs, man, phenomenal stories, you know, well-deserved, uh, driving their tails off the team's. You know, we knew it was only going to be a matter of time before we see Ty Gibbs in victory lane. And, you know, he's he, what he stepped into, he had big shoes to fill, and he's doing a phenomenal job filling those big shoes. I mean, to, to get in a car that Kyle Busch has been driving and winning and winning championships for years, I mean, Ty Gibbs is just that's, – that's a great story there. Uh, Michael McDowell, Front Row Motorsports, and what they have accomplished the last couple of years and, and their progression to uh, building an organization that's a winning organization. I've been in, so impressed with Michael McDowell. Uh, you know, those are two guys uh, that you, you just – you want your cheering for to make the playoffs, you know. And, and you know, I, I just hope, you know, it'd be great if both of them can make it in. But we know how competitive it is. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. But, man, great, great stories uh, back there fighting to have a playoff spot in the playoffs, you know. And, uh, you know, I think it's great for the sport if, if Ty Gibbs could make it in as the 16th person uh, team. And also Michael McDowell, I'd like – that'd be kind of cool, you know. Great stories. But, man, yeah. so competitive back there, you know, so tight. Right. But let me ask you this, Tyler, on these bubble guys, all these guys that could make the playoffs, have any of these drivers that are 
barely in or on the outside looking in, who, in your opinion, could make the deepest playoff run if they do make the playoffs? For me, it, it, it'd be Chase Elliott being a past champion. I know that's kind of the easy answer, but think about back in 2011. I know Dominic's usually the history guy, but let's go back in the hot tub time machine for a second to 2011 <laughs> with Tony Stewart into the playoff without a win. And that team had not run great that season, in all honesty. And they rattled off five wins in 10 races. They found that momentum and started clicking at playoff time and ultimately walked away with the championship. Chase Elliott, if anyone's capable of those bubble drivers, David, to turn it on at any given time and make a run, Chase Elliott and that Hendrick team is capable. You can never count out, as David would like to say, uh, Hendrick Motorsports and Chase Elliott. Man, you 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 hit the nail on, on on man. You hit it with, you hit it good right there, buddy. That's I, I'm uh, so Tyler. You can never count out the Hendrick organization, even though it's been a struggle. It hadn't been that pretty, but man, knowing that William, uh, not William Byron, but Alex Bowman and and Chase Elliott, they're within striking distance of making the playoffs. Just having such really a uh, unconditional type of year. We're not used to seeing the 48 car and the nine car not have wins and be more competitive. That's something we're not used to seeing. And right. uh, even that being said, it's been a, a little bit of a disappointing year for that organization with those two teams. Uh, you know, like you said, you can't ever count them out because it only takes one of them winning a race or making that playoffs and boom, you know, and then, and then boom, right, right there winning races again, you know. So I, I totally agree uh, with Tyler, Dominic. I'm sure you do as well, but you can't you can't ever count out those two Hendrick cars, especially Chase Elliott. I well, agree with that. his capabilities of running at the highest level, Dominic, this might be a hot take, but I'll be curious what you think. Because we know what they're capable of, of being the best of the best, I would actually be more surprised still, even though Ford's been running better as of late. I would be more surprised if Harvick or Keselowski made a championship run right now than I would be Chase Elliott. Yeah, you know, you're right, because Chevrolet has shown time and time again throughout the season that they are the more powerful manufacturer across all kinds of racetracks. And and yeah, Keselowski's eighth in points. I believe Harvick's a little higher than that, but have they really let the world on fire? Now, don't get me wrong, Kozlowski has made a lot more strides and gains with RFK than where they were a year ago, and we're clearly seeing that with Chris Buescher too. But with Stuart Haas Racing, Kevin Harvick's carrying the team. And, and yeah, he's had some good runs too, but it's not the Kevin Harvick we're used to seeing. This isn't the Kevin Harvick that won multiple races between 2014 and 2021. It's just not – or 2020, rather. It's not the, the, the same Kevin Harvick. It's not the same organization. And – no, I, I think you put Chase Elliott in the playoffs or even Alex Bowman. Now, let's keep in mind, too, Alex Bowman was the points leader for three weeks before he had his injury, before he was out for a few weeks. He even said it was like rebuilding the season, starting from scratch, and all that momentum that the team had built was all wiped away. So it was not to say a win or a good run could just spark that natural momentum to come on back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on to uh, this weekend, the Indianapolis Road Course. Sounds like this is going to be the last time we're running the road course for a while, as it uh, looks like we'll turn return to the Oval next year. But nonetheless, Dominic, uh, the road course, I know the drivers want to go back to the Oval, and I get that, but the road course provided some exciting racing. And 
uh, you know, FIA, which is one of the big uh, motorsports uh, associations of the, in the world, they rank the Indianapolis road course as one of the top tier road courses in the entire world. So th- I think this is a better course than what it's given credit for. The racing's been exciting. Um, I-, I-, I think we're in for a really good race. And these road course aces of sorts, this is just uh Right on a silver platter. This and next week, these opportunities to make the playoff here. Well, and, and you have like, like you said, we've seen road course aces come in and just have a great, great performance at tracks like this. And Shane Van Ginsbergen's coming back, and he's running the the, tro- the track house Project Ninety One car. You have, I think, RCR trying to follow suit here with with Brody Kostecki running their third car, and and of course Jensen Button, the F one champion, running the race as well. So I think it could play into their wheelhouse. But if this is the last time we see. The Indianapolis road course on the schedule. I think these three years have really shown what kind of racing stock cars can can have on this racing service. But I, I will say too, David, I'm classic. I think it's going to be really cool to have the oval back. Yeah, you know, the the, the road course there at Indianapolis has not disappointed. You know, it, it's really been exciting. And maybe just the the drama and the exciting of everything, how the restarts are. Uh, a little bit more than exciting or a lot more than, than the Brickyard 400 has produced over the years, you know. But, man, as a NASCAR race car driver, I loved going to Indianapolis racing on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was like, man, you almost paint yourself because you can't believe you're doing it, you know. And uh, uh, at times, the racing for for the driver, and, and from our perspective, it's unbelievable and great racing but you know for a fan to sit up in the stands it, it get kind of drawn out you know and uh, i i commend nascar and then after motor speedway and everybody for trying to change it up and and find a uh, a new spark in that nascar being at the Indianapolis motor speedway but i'm uh uh the road course hasn't disappointed it's been exciting but uh but i'm excited for the you know for the NASCAR and the stock cars to get back on the oval. You know what I mean? I think I'm excited about that. Want to participate and race in the races there. Uh, but but you know it's uh to me uh over the last couple of years, you know, I look at the fans that are there and the fan base. It hasn't drawn the the uh the fan base that I thought it would have, even though it's so exciting, you know. And I'm hoping once they do get back on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Oval, that, you know, we can get record crowds like we once did. So I'm hoping that that will bring the fans back. But, uh, but hey, man, the road course is unbelievable. I mean, we're, we're going to see some some drama, people running into people. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting weekend there in Indianapolis for sure. Well, Dominic, I'll put say it this way. Um, attendance has kind of been the same. It didn't really go up or down when they went full-time to the road course. It stayed around 60,000, which, I mean, that's like a weekend at Gateway, right? It's it's okay. It's not bad, but it's just okay. But with as big as Indianapolis is, it looks very bare with 300,000 seats of sorts. I'll put it this way. I'll be curious what, what Dominic thinks on this, but – if they go back to the oval and attendance never really gets going, if if they can't get a, a good number that you know makes that place somewhat look relatively full of some sorts, um, 
then Indianapolis won't be on the the schedule for long after that. I think this is kind of after this year, going back to the Oval, it's kind of their last shot to make Indianapolis work for now. That is an interesting take. I mean, you know that Ben Kennedy's not afraid to spice up the schedule, and they've said that they will try different things. And 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 I think tracks need to prove their worth. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he has said, but who's not to say Indianapolis is a bust? Maybe they'd move on to another place, but I would say they would have a hard Maybe time. Maybe they even go going. down the road to IRP, which everybody loves. But I will say, though, Tyler, I think it'd be harder to break away from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, not only because of its rooted tradition with IndyCar, but NASCAR having its its longstanding relationship since 94 and, and the hype around that original 1994 Brickyard 400 and just the, the hollow to ground, the history it is, that is Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I think it would be harder for NASCAR to leave Indianapolis. But you know what? Attendance, bad racing, all that stuff could factor in and make that decision easier. Yeah. Next year would mark the 30th anniversary since uh, – that original visit to Indianapolis as well. So that'll be a, a big deal uh, when a NASCAR has that a Brickyard 400 there. With that said, the uh, favorites this week, Dom, I feel like you got to talk about uh, the guys that we mentioned, the road course aces, the the Almendingers, the Chase Elliott's, Kyle Larson's, Martin Truex's of the world, Ryan Blaney's. But then the guys that have been running well lately, like who's to say that Denny Hamlin – if he's got speed, why well, he can't compete? Or um, you know, Chris Butcher with the way he's run well, and and he's actually a better road course racer than people think. But another name, uh, the last, the only driver with a perfect win percentage in NASCAR, we would be silly to count out Shane Van Gisbergen to go back to back. That would be pretty cool to see that. That'd be some pretty cool NASCAR history if he's able to pull off two wins in his first two starts. I mean, he already made history doing that for the first time in 60-some years. But, man, so many highlighted and talented drivers that are going to be running this week at Indy. But, Tyler, I'm, I'm going to pull you. I think Chase Elliott gets it done, and I think he, he – we wipe away this conversation of a past champion missing the playoffs. Chase Elliott keeps that record intact of making the playoffs every year that he's been in a full-time Hendrick car. Chase Elliott gets it done this Sunday at the Indianapolis Grand Prix. Okay. How about uh, you, David? Who wins? Man, I'm going to have to follow up Dominic and say Chase Elliott gets it done. You know, for some reason, I'm just, you know, uh, there's a lot at stake. And uh, and uh, kind of what we were talking about earlier, you know, I, I just think, you know, Chase Elliott, he's a phenomenal road course racer. And, uh, man, you know, he uh, – it'd be kind of – you know, you know that team. They they don't want to be on the outside looking in when the playoffs start. So I, I'm just going to go with Chase Elliott. I believe it's going to be his weekend. All you got to do is get in and then figure out the rest from there. Yeah. Uh, I've been telling you every week on this show, I'm picking Chase Elliott until he wins. I'll continue to do that. But my secondary pick of sorts, the other driver to watch. We mentioned how well Ford's been performing. The best Ford road course driver is without a doubt Ryan Blaney, and Ryan Blaney. Uh, he's got a good track record in Indianapolis. His his owner owns the track uh, on top of that as well. Watch out for Ryan Blaney. So there's uh, our picks this week as uh, we break down the uh, Indianapolis Grand Prix there this weekend, the Verizon 200. Moving on to our news and notes, latest headlines in the sport. Dominic, take it away. What's going on this week? Well, we'll continue on with another Gregson news and the Legacy Motor Club saga that has been going on since the – Race weekend at Michigan International Speedway. Noah Gregson was suspended after his liking of a meme 
allegedly on social media. He came out to say that he was in the wrong. Legacy Motorsport, Legacy Motor Club, rather, has suspended him indefinitely, as well as NASCAR. No word on his return, but Tyler, over the next couple of weeks, with two road course races on the schedule, Mike Rockenfeller, a Phenomenal. Speaking of great road course racers, there's another one. Mike Rockenfeller is filling in the 42 car. And the history there between him and NASCAR or team owner Jimmy Johnson is the fact that these two work together on the NASCAR Garage 56 project. So we know Mike's going to be in the car over the next two weeks. No word who will be in that car in Daytona, but certainly anybody's guess. Gregson back in the car. Do we have more fill-ins? Got to imagine NASCAR would give him a waiver. He would already have one because of his concussion issue at Sonoma and Give him a waiver here, potentially. Win Daytona, get in the playoffs. Who knows? I'm getting ahead of myself here, Tyler. But that's what's going on here with this Legacy Motor Club as of the this week. And that's even if Noah Gregson gets back in that race car. Uh, we've heard the rumblings that it seems like he's not going to return to the team next year before all this happened, that Toyota was pushing for John Hunter Nemechek to be in this stride. And, and I'll say this, um, and I, I'm not putting any pressure on either one of you two to, to make this. I'm, I'm saying this is me, not as, you know, you guys. I'm not speaking for the whole show here. Let me make that very clear when I make these comments. Um, what Noah Gregson did was was stupid, no question about it. Um, it. It was very dumb. You know, the post wasn't funny. Did it warrant a suspension and to be held out and all this? I don't think so. I, I, I think it was a little too far overreaction and, and the writer, I believe his name, Daniel McFadden, who put the story together, I think was being more of an activist rather than a journalist in uh, what he did to, to, to put this out there and the statements that made that followed afterwards. I, I thought it was way over the top. Uh, but I think two things could be true at once, that it was dumb on Noah's part, but did it warrant a suspension? I don't think so. Um, and who knows what's next for Noah? Like, he's probably done with that team. I don't know if he's going to get another opportunity at the cup level. We know he's certainly talented, but this year hasn't gone his way, and this is another thing that stands in his way. David, what's your kind of reaction to what's going on with Noah Gregson here? Man, it's uh, very interesting. You know what I mean? It's interesting to, to you know to see how it's all played out. Um, you know, it's just uh, there's so much to elaborate on it. I just, I just say that's very interesting, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, man, it's I don't even know how to react to it, but very, it's very interesting. And and you know, it, it's amazing that when I found out the news, uh, uh, you know that what had happened. You know what I mean? But you know, I, I just think everybody's got to remember, you know, we, uh, you know, we're all spokespersons. We're all NASCAR race car drivers. We're professional. And, you know, you got to carry yourself as a professional, uh, you know, on and off the racetrack. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's, it's very interesting at what's happened. And uh, that's about all I really can comment on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's fair. That's a fair yeah, yeah. Uh David, uh, uh, as far as that goes. And now the 42 team, Dominic, we mentioned the future. John Hunter Nemechik likely to take that ride. You got you know, Mike Rockefeller filling in that, that role for now. I mean, we mentioned the struggles of Noah Gragson. Legacy Motor Club has been the biggest disappointment of any NASCAR team this year. They made the playoff last year. 
And it's not just been Noah Gregson, but Eric Jones has struggled. Like, even when Jimmy Johnson's been out there, they haven't been able to put this together. Um, Just another thing of of problems for, for Legacy Motor Club this year. Certainly as they've taken a step backwards in their performance and a team that won the race last year, Darlington Raceway and Eric Jones in that 43 car. And yeah, the, the team's performance has been off. Maybe this, the shift to Toyota is what the team is going to need and the TRD support. And we know the Toyota family keeps everything kind of together. And John Hunter Nemechek certainly seems like the shoe in at least at this time for that 42 car in 2024. But yeah, there, there has been a struggle in performance and maybe these next few weeks. We, we get to really see what happens. I mean, you see Josh Berry in that car at Michigan and struggling, and, and Eric Jones not running that much better than the 42 team. Legacy Motor Club has been down this year, but that jump to Toyota could be what they need, that little spark, that little kick of momentum to kick off 2024 make it better than what this year has been. I think so. What else is going on, Dominic? What about RFK Racing, Roush Fenway? We knew at one point that was a five-car operation. NASCAR had reduced that down to a four-car rule at the end of the 2009 season. But what about now? RFK is a two-car team. Could they expand to three cars? Maybe in the distant future? Brad Kozlowski commented on that over the weekend with Racer.com. And according to Racer.com, they would love to expand to a three-car team at some point. But it's easier said than done, in the words of Brad Keselowski, because charters are not necessarily available at this time. It is something RFK would like to explore down the road. But at this time, Tyler, we're not going to see a third car added to that stable. A once organization that had five full-time cup cars winning a quarter of the races of the year, going to stay at two cars for a while. Yeah, um, charters aren't cheap right now. They're around uh, the last sale, I believe, was around $30 million for a charter. And wow. have to think that it's only going to go up from there as – Let's say if there's, take example, a team like Rick Ware, if they're wanting to sell a charter, then you'd have RFK interested. You'd probably have 2311 interested, Dell Jr. Um, there'd be a number of suitors lining up, and it could be a bidding war, maybe colleague potentially, uh, or to get one of those cars. We, we even mentioned Michael Andretti's looking at getting uh, into the NASCAR side of things. So it'd be a bidding war. I think 30 would be the starting point for said bidding war to get in the NASCAR Cup Series for one of those charters. Uh, With that said, as far as RFK Racing goes, David, I think this is where Justin Haley was a big deal for Rick Ware, for the alliance, the partnership that they've developed uh, to be an RFK-supported team. They're going to be like the third car for RFK Racing for now, essentially, since they don't have that charter that's where that Rick Ware team comes in, where Justin Haley can give feedback. And similar to what we see, the 21 car with Harrison Burton to Penske, is they're like the fourth Penske team. That's where Justin Haley essentially, I think, is going to come in here for RFK Racing for now. Yeah, I think Justin Haley set himself up pretty good. I mean, to be a kind of a satellite team to uh, RFK. And, and uh, you know, I even heard, I don't know this for a fact, but – I think RFK is building Rick Ware's race cars, setting them up. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, it's it's man. I mean, you know, Rick Ware racing next year uh, with their affiliation with with RFK, it could be a very competitive race car with Justin Haley coming over to drive one of them. So, you know, it's kind of interesting how that all lined up and and how RFK is the strides they're making, the races are winning. 
Uh, man, it just seems like, man, it's all lining up great for Rick Ware and Justin Haley, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if they're building the cars for Rick Ware, I mean, heck, that's that's pretty awesome right there. It's the same car that Chris Boucher and Brad get to drive. You know, you got identical stuff, and they're helping you with the engineering and the technology of these new next-gen race cars. I mean, man, that's – everybody at Rick Ware Racing, plus Justin Haley – and the sponsors, everybody involved, man, there's got to be a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of uh, excitement for what's ahead of that team for, you know, the rest of 2023 and looking at the 2024 season. Well, and, and Dominic, correct me if I'm wrong here, but since 2011 with uh, Tony Stewart, um, Martin Truex, and Kevin Harvick, in that stretch from 2011 to 2012, so 11 years, there's been, what, three satellite team champions? I mean, if this is done right, satellite teams can be successful and contend for championships. It's not cheap. It requires money. Uh, but if Rick Ware and if they have the sponsor, if they're willing to invest, then this can be uh, a team that's just as good uh, if not better, if they do it right, to the other two cards at RFK Racing here. Well, you don't want to do it too right, too right, David, because I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book, 48 Laws of Power, but it talks about different things you can do throughout your life. And one of the rules of that book is to never outshine the master. And Furniture Racing did that in 2017, outshining Joe Gibbs Racing with the equipment. And from from what I remember hearing, the Joe Gibbs Racing agreement they had with Front Row Motorsports into 2019, they were going to be charging them double to be able to use the equipment that they had because they got beat at their own game. Right, David? Never outshine the master. <laughs> well, you know, we are talking about racing here, you know what I mean? We all got it. When they dropped the a green flag, it's, you know, it's like every man, every team for themselves. So, yeah, it's uh, – I hear what you're saying, Dominic, but hard to – Hard to do that, you know what yeah. I mean? And it can better. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. What else we got going, Dom? Well, our odds for the Indianapolis race, we certainly made our picks a little bit earlier in the show, but just going down the list of who you're getting with this weekend, if you had to guess who is your odds on favorite for the 2023 Verizon 200? Well, if you pick Martin Truex Jr., you'd be correct. VegasInsider.com is having Martin Truex Jr. as the odds on favorite at four to one. Next is last year's winner, Tyler Reddick at five to one. Chase Elliott, who two out of the three of us picked, is at seven to one. Christopher Bell, Shane Van Gisbergen, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch all share 10 to one. And the 2021 winner of the race, AJ Allmendinger, sitting at 16 to one. Some of your long shot odds favorites to win. 100,000 to 1, Ty Dillon, Josh Balicki, and a friend of the show, Andy Lell, who's driving for Rick Ware Racing this weekend. Wow. Very good. Uh, so that's uh, that's the bets uh, as far as that goes. Some of the guys that are looking uh, as some of the favorites. One more point I want to bring up, and then we can move on to ask David here. Uh, David, again, we're going to see a – uh, combo weekend at Indianapolis with NASCAR and IndyCar both on track this weekend. Uh, you know, this was all made possible by Roger Penske uh, to schedule these two events together. And and they're both going to be on uh, NBC Networks this weekend. Uh, so you'll have the cross-promotion coverage there. But we've seen this has been pretty successful to have both racing series at Indianapolis, the cross promotion. We see the drivers interacting with each other's garage and everything. 
I really like it personally. NASCAR and IndyCar uh, having the same weekend, and they share a lot of the same tracks. I I'd love to see more of it personally. What do you think about the the crossover of NASCAR and Indy housing in themselves in the same facility again this weekend? I think it's brilliant. You know, it's brilliant because uh, you know, uh, you know, we we get to really NASCAR gets to take advantage of the IndyCar fans, and the IndyCar fans get to take advantage of the NASCAR. I mean, you know that. You know, we, we're sharing fans. It's cool to have two major, you know, IndyCar racing, the biggest IndyCar racing series in the world, the biggest stock car racing series in the world, NASCAR, come together and share a venue, you know, share uh, time at, at a historical racetrack. I just think it's brilliant. When they first did it, I thought it was brilliant. It's brilliant, and I hope they continue to do it more. Uh, and I hope we keep, you know, I don't see how we do that, but, you know, if the, if the NASCAR cars can go back to the oval, you know, how, you know, are we going to, uh, you know, is it possible to, to run the oval and the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Cup Series and to set up the road course for the Indy cars, you know, it would be kind of interesting uh, moving forward if we can, you know, if we can keep that, that momentum and keep those both major racing series competing together uh, on the same weekend. I really, I love it. I think it's brilliant. The cross promotions incredible. And uh, I hope we see more of it in the future. And I think we will Tyler. And uh, I just think I love it, man. I think it's brilliant. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, all of auto racing, NASCAR, IndyCar, just, I hope every it's a win for everybody. I believe it is, and I think it's brilliant. And I hope it's here to stay. I hope we see more of it. Well, and we saw in the past where NASCAR had Xfinity run the road course and Cup run the oval in the same weekend. Dom, I, I hope this continues. My, my resolution to this, to make this all work, send Xfinity back to IRP uh, where trucks are at this weekend. Have them go back to IRP, put on a good show, run – uh, the IndyCar race on Saturday on the road course and run the cup race on the oval on Sunday. And I think it's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Like you said, this whole show, Ben and Kennedy's not afraid to shake things up. That could be certainly a possibility. And David said it best too, with both series, being able to take advantage of each other's fans to expose them to something new. Who wins the most on this? The race fans. To be able to be exposed to all this different kind of racing, all these opportunities in front of them, the fans win every single time. Yeah, and, and more places we could do this at. Texas uh, obviously comes to mind. Uh, Pocono, uh, another possibility. Um, maybe it's a Watkins Glen or something. There's a lot of crossovers and tracks that uh, we've seen IndyCar and uh, NASCAR have some shared history over the years. Time to get to our Ask David segment, where we ask you to submit questions to us each and every week. Facebook.com, uh, you can find us there, slash Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. Our first question in the inbox this week comes from Tammy. Tammy wants to know, David, with this being Kevin Harvick's final season, what are you going to remember most about Kevin and his NASCAR career? Oh, man, he just uh, was a fierce competitor. Uh, you know, you got to have passion. If you don't have passion, you're not a fierce competitor. And and, you know, he gets madder than hell on his team and the car's not very good. And, you know, you hear some really, uh, you know, some some 
not so great conversation that he's having with his team when they mess up on pit road and, you know, being in altercations with drivers after the races because of how they raced each other. Uh, you know, he's just a fierce competitor. Uh, I'm just going to miss that. Uh, you know, I, I've always, you know, he, he's a friend, uh, but he's a superstar of our sport. Just sad to see, uh, you know, another superstar retire out of the business. You know what I mean? He's had such a great career, future Hall of Famer. Uh, but I'll just miss his, his passion, his fierce competitiveness to win. And, uh, you know, and, and man, y'all have seen it. He's had some run-ins with some drivers. Uh, it's created great drama for television, for fans, uh, whether you love him or hate him. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, you can always know that there's passion there. You know what I mean? So uh, he's not afraid to <clears throat> not afraid to tell it like it is when he needs to. Uh, and we just, you know, you don't see a lot of Kevin Harvick's out there anymore. So uh, I'm going to miss uh, just this fierce competitiveness in him. You know, but he's a great guy, well-deserved career, Hall of, like I said, future Hall of Famer. And, uh, and hey, man, once he's done, he's uh, he, he's uh, he did it right. He did it his way, and it was a success. Any, uh, any personal stories or memories that come to mind, David, between uh, you and Kevin, your interactions over the years? Well, there's lots of them. I guess a couple that comes to mind, when I drove for Wayne Spears, you know, Kevin came over and he seen me and he said, hey, man, you know, you drive, you jump into the 75 Spears truck, you know, win you some races quickly and then get the hell out of there because they're going to get rid of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean there's just It's just the way they operate, you know, and, and uh, I said, man, Kevin, I'll do that, you know, and he said, man, just drive the wheels off of it, try to get you two or three wins and you'll move on to something bigger and better, you know, well, you know, I think I was there six, seven years. I don't know how long I drove for Wayne Spears. And Harvard would always come up to me and say, dude, I don't know what the hell you've done, but, man, this is not normal, you know. So he was <laughs> always uh, kidding me about that, you know. How is this even possible that you've been there so long? And uh, and then the second story was uh, with one of my good friends. You know, I think we were at Phoenix racing. I was trying to pass Horn a day. And he's blocking me, blocking me. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I bullied him a little bit on the racetrack, moved him out of the way. And then when the race was over with, he came up to me and said something. I didn't like what he said. So I, uh, you know, I, I warned him that if he got any closer to me, uh, that it wasn't going to be good for him. And, and Kevin was right there with him. And I told him, I told Hornaday, I said, uh, you know, I don't give a beep, you know, that Kevin Harvick's right there. It ain't going to slow me down any. And I'll take Kevin Harvick on too. But, you, you get any close to me, I'll lay you out. You know what I mean? So I just remember, and Kevin said, hey, David, just it's all good, man. It's cool. Just chill, you know. That was pretty hot, you know. And uh, so anyway, I let I let Hornaday and his boss know that I, you know, that I wasn't going to take anything from either one of them. And, and, uh, and they kind of let me, you know, they backed down a little bit and everything was cool, but I was ready to take both of them on. We kind of laugh about it now, years later, but, you know, it's just uh, – you know, talking about Kevin Harvick's being uh, pretty, uh, you know, that that fierce competitor passion, you know, I was the same way, man. I still am. I, I, I want to win, and I felt like Hornaday held me up uh, winning again at Phoenix, you know what I mean? And I was, uh, you know, when he came over to me, man, it just lit me up, and I was ready to, 
you know, to do something stupid, you know, and to him and Harvick, <laughs> even though they're my buddies, you know what I mean? That's just the, 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 you know, that's just the passion and the, how would you say that? How do you describe that? That's in the heat of the moment, you know what I mean? Right. But, but man, great guys, great race car drivers. And you look back on it and you say, man, that was silly to act like that, but it's just, it's just racing. You want to win, you know, you're passionate about it. And, uh, you know, so yeah, you know, so it's kind of funny, but those two stories kind of come to mind about Harvick. We, we, we kid each other about it now. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, you're, you're madder in hell that night. You wanted to fight everybody. <laughs> That's incredible. And we know David well enough, Dominic. He, he he's not going to back down ever. No. Uh, <laughs> with that said, Dom, I know you've had interactions with Kevin Harvick. You probably haven't threatened to fight the guy, but uh, what comes to mind when you think about Kevin Harvick and, any interesting conversations you guys have had? Well, the interactions I've had with Kevin Harvick have been very brief. He's not very outspoken when it comes to print media. I don't know if he sees that maybe as one of those high-risk, low-reward things. He'll, he'll talk to the TV cameras. He'll talk to the radio people, but you start walking with the other journalists. He's not one of the people that will open up to you, and he won't really talk. But I, I, at the same time, I can also appreciate that as a competitor. Kevin Harvick's fired up. He's pretty pissed off when he doesn't win. He and Kyle Busch are bred from the same cloth, in my opinion, when it comes to stuff like that. They're not really going to want to talk. So as a reporter, you want to get the soundbite. You want to get the quote. You want to get what do you need to, to fill your story. But at the same time, from a competitor standpoint, I feel like you can really appreciate somebody like that to be able to say, wow, they're very competitive. They don't really feel like talking. That's how they handle losing. That's how they compartmentalize it. So those would be some of the interactions I could think of over the years, just those one or two or three word answers. How about you, Tyler? So uh, what comes to mind in particular, my interaction with Kevin, Kevin was uh, very kind, very gracious, no complaints about Kevin personally. Um, but I remember the very first time I interviewed him, it was uh, he had won the poll at Kansas Speedway. And, uh, you know, got, got to interview him one-on-one -on -one after he won the poll. And in the interview, being in Kansas City and everything, I asked him uh, what his favorite barbecue was, if he was going to get some Kansas City barbecue. And the guy tells me, I kid you not, and I quote, I don't really like barbecue. I'm like, what? How can you be the Bush light driver and not like barbecue. I mean, barbecue and beer go hand in hand. You're in Kansas City. You got to have some Kansas City barbecue for crying out loud. Like, I couldn't believe it blew my mind, Dom, that the Bush Light driver was not a fan of barbecue. I was, I was very disappointed, very sad. Well, I can't give him too much flack, man. I wasn't the biggest fan of barbecue sauce on food after a while. But you know what? KC Joe's in Kansas City was the one that really changed that perspective for me, Tyler. What? Maybe what? We'll race. Yeah, Kevin needs. Go ahead, David. When uh, during the pandemic, uh, Harvick won a race. Was it Darlington? Uh, well, you know, uh, yeah. What race? Did he win Darlington? Darlington. Yeah, yeah, the Real Heroes Four Hundred. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I was driving up to Martinsville from uh, Charlotte, and uh, I needed some gas. And right before I got into Martinsville, I pulled over to gas station, and I'm pumping some gas and. Somebody says star, and I turn around. It's Harvick pumping gas in his pickup truck. You know, he just he just won in Darlington. You know, and we sat there and just talk. You know, just shot. You know, just talking about this and that. But one thing I remember saying, he said, "Dude, it's the weirdest thing to win a race, and there ain't nobody there. You know, there's no fans there. You know." And he said, "Man, it's weird to celebrate." 
by yourself with your team and nobody's there's he said man i just remember he said man that was the weirdest thing but it was amazing we sat there for about 20 minutes and just talked about different things and and uh that was pretty cool you know and you know you're pumping gas you're not paying attention you know who's pumping gas you know on the other side of the pump and it was harvick you know and it was just kind of cool you just won a cup race and uh man he just he's never changed he's a, he's a racer uh just like all of us are racers you know and uh he's had a lot of success and uh but the success of Kevin Harvick being a superstar in our NASCAR industry has never changed him. He's still just a great guy. Uh, the first time I ever met him still today, you know, so that was pretty cool. Everybody points to the win when he was in the 29 guard Atlanta, but I, I point to that day at Darlington when I think, Dom, that was, I think, one of the most iconic moments in American history, especially in sports history, of – NASCAR's the first sports back. No fans are there. Six million people are watching. Everyone's got their attention on NASCAR. Kevin Harvick wins, and nobody's there. And he, in the post-race interview, he's like, this is so weird. Like, everyone's <laughs> reacting. Um, and Very emotional, too. For everybody. It was, uh, looking back, it was a, a, a perfect moment in time of what was going on at that that second you know it, it, one of the most bizarre moments ever um next question uh that we have in the inbox this week uh is uh this one comes from billy and billy writes david how do you feel about jimmy johnson not being a unanimous selection for the nascar hall of fame how does that happen you know <laughs> You know, it's a great question. Great question. I don't know if I have the politically correct answer, but man, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, what's wrong with people? I mean, you know, seven-time champion. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's there's only two other guys in in the history of the sport that's ever done it: Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, yeah. You know how everybody else feels about it. it's kind of how the same way I do. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Uh, well deserved. Should have been in their way before uh, now, but uh, but yeah, it's nuts, man. It's crazy. It don't make sense to me. You know, I don't know the voting process or the people on the on the on that board that vote in who's Hall of Famer or not, but. You know, just common sense tells all of us that, you know, he should have been in a long time ago. I mean, y'all agree with me, guys? What's y'all's thoughts? 100%. Uh, he wasn't eligible till this year. The The one thing I heard uh, of why he might not have been unanimous was the fact that uh, he has it. raced this year. But, I mean, if NASCAR rules you eligible, they rule you eligible. Like, that's not Jimmy Johnson's fault that they still ruled him eligible that he met the criteria. So I think it's just BS not to make him unanimous. I would even take it a step further, Dom. Not only should he be unanimous, Chad Canals should have been unanimous too. Chad's the greatest crew chief in the history of this sport, and he won even without Jimmy Johnson after that with William Byron as well. I, I don't know how both of them weren't unanimous. I agree. Yeah, I think Denny Hamlin is very vocal about it, too, on Twitter, saying the four people that didn't vote him unanimous should have their voting privileges revoked. And, and all joking, laughter aside, I mean, it really does make you think, because 
yeah, seven-time champion, somebody that won five in a row, never been done before, probably will never be done again in the history of our Cup Series or in the Cup Series. And I know some of these other drivers were not unanimous. Nobody's ever been unanimous for the Hall of Fame. And with Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty in that class of 2009, those results weren't released. So it, it's hard to say if those guys were or not or how that process went down. But to not have Jimmy Johnson unanimous, quite the surprise. But I, I have to imagine, Tyler, I think it was probably in the back of the, the voters' minds. Whoever voted no, well, yeah, he's running a race this year. He's, he ran a few times. <laughs> he truly retired. You have to think that was probably on their minds. Right. Uh, the Hall of Fame class uh, not only includes Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss, but also Donnie Allison uh, on the Pioneer ballots. Uh, A.J. Foyt was very close, didn't make it in. Uh, a, a number of others also in contention. But for this Hall of Fame class, uh, David, uh, I mean, the first two especially between Jimmy and Chad, uh, this is a strong Hall of Fame class here. Very strong. You know, my hero, my childhood hero, my friend, A.J. Foyt, I'd love to see him in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He will eventually be in there. Uh, Donnie Allison, I had the honors of working with Donnie early years as, as my crew chief. Uh, but, man, the Allisons, the Alabama gang, you know, what that family has endured and the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the legacy of, of the Allisons and what, you know, their contribution to what the sport is today is just, you know, you, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Donnie getting in and, you know, well-deserved. Uh, you know, there's so many people that are, that, that deserve and should be in by now, you know, I, uh, my hat's off to the board and how they vote on it. You know, it's a lot of pressure on, on the, the, the men and women that are making these decisions. Uh, cause there's a lot of hall of famers out there that really have changed the, the complexity of this sport and made what the sport is today. But, uh, eventually I hope everybody ends up in there that, that deserves to be there. And, uh, and it is definitely a strong, strong, uh, you know, uh, you know, all the candidates going in there. It's it's really strong. It has been since the place opened up. They started putting Hall of Famers in there, you know. Yeah. One more thing uh, on the Hall of Fame, then we'll move on here, uh, Dom. I do love that Chad and Jimmy are going together. I know they went their separate ways to end their career, but one way or the other, it had to end this way, right? They had to go in the Hall of Fame as a unit because – uh, they're inseparable. You can't talk Chad Canals without Jimmy Johnson. You can't mention Jimmy Johnson without Chad Canals. This is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, man. They just go together. It's peanut butter and jelly, debit and credit, salt and pepper, everything that goes together. Chad Canals and Jimmy <laughs> Johnson going hand in hand in the Hall of Fame. Can't think of a more deserving two people that deserve to go in at the same time. Yeah. I can't find you of Dell Inman and Richard Petty. You yes. know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. They won all those championships together and you know, I don't know the complete story, but Dale went on to, you know, they separated and Dale went on to win another championship or races with Terry Labonte, you know, and then, you know, you see Richard Petty and his cousin Dale Earnhardt. I mean, I'm sorry, Richard Petty and Dale Inman uh, that are both now in the Hall of Fame. I mean, but man, you know, no, no, you know, Richard Petty, Dale Inman. Uh, Jack and Alice, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, absolutely. That's that's a, a no brainer. That's you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Chad became a, a superstar in his own right. We typically don't talk about crew chiefs being household names, but he was that. I mean, this guy was in 
Lowe's commercials with Jimmy Johnson, and we see him all over TV. He does a great job when when he's on screen. And now as competition director for Hendrick Motorsports, he's done a terrific job as well. So very good Hall of Fame class there. Uh, before we kind of wrap up things, uh, let's go all around the room and see what everybody's up to here in the next couple of days. Uh, David, uh, what's going on with you here? Man, that just uh, had a little event uh, uh, Monday afternoon there at Texas Motor Speedway, kind of uh, doing some maintenance on some race cars, getting them ready for an event here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Going to head to Houston to go visit with my mom over the weekend. She's been in the hospital and doing great. Going to go down there and, and spend some time with my mom, and uh, we'll be tuned in to all the races this weekend in Indianapolis and. And looking forward to get back into race car here soon, going back racing myself. This is killing me not not racing at Indy this week and messing Michigan last week. But uh, but uh, but anyway, gonna do a little uh, a little while catching up, spending some time with my with my mom and dad this weekend. How about you, Donald? I'll be home here in Grants, New Mexico, with my wife and son. We'll have a good time and. Yeah, it's just nice to be home on some of these weekends, but I, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road when the NASCAR playoffs start to a few of these races. And and, and David, I speak for Tyler and I when, when I say this, your, your mom's in our thoughts and prayers, and we continue to wish for a, a speedy recovery and all, all of NASCAR Nation as well. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Of course. We're definitely thinking of our uh, very sweet lady and wish her nothing but the best. Uh, football season back in full swing for me, uh, doing some preseason stuff this week uh so that's what i'm up to but uh i'll be uh staying keeping tabs here in dallas uh definitely on everything that's going on on that end boys uh we gotta wrap up and go uh big thanks to uh you the listener for joining us as always you can subscribe new episodes out each and every week apple spotify google Podcasts, and youtube leave us a five-star review hit that like button as well leave some comments and uh we certainly would appreciate it uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash star podcast, Twitter at star podcast, and uh, you can email us, uh, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode for David Starr, Dominic Alagon, I'm Tyler Jones, saying so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.